You're listening to the micro version of the Savage Lovecast at savage.love. If you're stuck in a relationship quandary, or if you're looking for sexual harmony, I'm going to risk tiptoeing through the Sam Smith discourse. But first, congratulations to Sam Smith, the non-binary Oscar-winning pop star, and to Kim Petros, a trans woman and singer, for the Grammy Award they won together on Sunday night for their mega-hit song, Unholy. Petros is the first out trans woman to win an Emmy, and she gave a really moving speech. And the trans community did need a win right now. Cultural victories that come in the midst of political attacks and setbacks can feel hollow, but they're a really good sign for the future. Anti-gay marriage amendments to state constitutions were passed overwhelmingly by voters in 11 states in 2004. Those same voters helped re-elect George W. Bush. But just 11 years later, and God only knows how many Oscar, Emmy, Tony, and Grammy Award acceptance speeches from queer artists later, we won marriage equality nationwide at the Supreme Court. Grammys, Tonys, Emmys, Oscars weren't enough and aren't enough. It wasn't all designer clothes and acceptance speeches. We had to fight the fight. In our own families, communities, workplaces, churches, city halls, courtrooms, state legislative races, gubernatorial races, Senate races, presidential primaries, presidential races, etc. But cultural victories are signs. We are winning the war, or that The war is one we can win, even if social conservatives win a few battles along the way. Those wins by anti-gay marriage forces in 2004, they were just a snapshot. They showed us where we were, not where we were headed. Okay, so with that said, I want to talk about Sam Smith's new music video. I'm not here to make friends from their hit-packed album, Gloria, There being just Sam now, not Sam and Kim. Sam, again, is non-binary. Sam uses they, them pronouns. Anyway, the video for I'm Not Here to Make Friends was released last week, right before the Grammys, and conservatives and prudes on the internet kind of lost their shit. The video opens with a familiar quote from RuPaul. The quote Ru has wrapped up every episode of Drag Race with for, I don't know, 300 years. You can't love yourself. How in the hell are you going to love somebody else? Just as Sam Smith arrives on a helicopter for what looks like a fancy dress 18th century orgy in a palace in the English countryside. Sam isn't there to make friends. Sam, like Pete Burns before him, is looking for a brand new lover. Everybody's looking for somebody, Sam sings, for somebody to take home. I'm not the exception. I'm a blessing of a body to love on. And then they tell us what they're there for. I need a lover. I need a lover. One scene in particular that's upset social conservatives, and it was clearly designed to upset social conservatives, so mission accomplished. Smith is surrounded by a crowd of hot, scantily clad dancers. They're humping the floor in front of them, each wanting to be their new lover. Their asses are in the air. They're engaged in mating display behavior. And eventually, some streams of water arc into the shot, or some streams of some liquid, we don't know exactly what, and those streams arc onto Sam Smith. You don't actually see anyone pissing, and the streams are just a little too big around to be streams of urine, and they're clear, 
But then you see a brief shot of a hot dancer standing in front of a urinal. But a stream of liquid is spraying out of the urinal over the dancer's shoulder into the room and onto Sam Smith. That's not how urinals work. Streams go in, they don't go out. So that's a nice little bit of plausible deniability right there. I mean, if your kids saw the video and asked you an uncomfortable question about what was happening, you could pass the whole thing off as a plumbing malfunction. That's not going to mollify social conservatives any more than wardrobe malfunction did after Justin Timberlake exposed Janet Jackson's nipple at the 2004 Super Bowl. But hey, maybe it's not piss. But eh, in fairness to the awful people freaking out about it, if you've ever seen piss play porn, which I'm sure all of them have, or if you've ever been to certain basements or parties in Berlin or Antwerp, what Smith is doing, mouth open, tongue out, back arched, catching it in their mouth, letting it run out of their mouth, down their body, will be instantly recognizable and not as a plumbing malfunction. Now, this isn't the first time we've seen piss play or suggested piss play in a music video for a hit song. Frankie Goes to Hollywood went there in 1983 in their video for their mega hit, Relax. More than 4 billion people have been born after 1983, so a lot of you may not have heard of Frankie Goes to Hollywood or Relax, but Frankie Goes to Hollywood was as famous in 1983 as Sam Smith is now. Smith was just the musical guest on Saturday Night Live. Aubrey Plaza was the host. Frankie Goes to Hollywood was the musical guest on SNL in 1984. George Carlin was the host. So we've been here before. And with that said, with all that said, it's not really the piss discourse, the piss course I wanted to talk about. I wanted to talk about the usual Sam Smith discourse. When it's not about their music or the piss play or their new video, it's usually about Smith's body. Sam Smith is a larger person. They post photos of themselves in tiny swimsuits online when they're feeling it, which they have every right to do. And then shitty people make shitty fat phobic comments and other people, less shitty people, yell at the shittier people about their shitty fat phobic comments and shitty people learn nothing and the whole cycle repeats itself the next time Smith posts a photo. In his new video, Sam Smith wears a series of fabulous outfits, some of them fabulously revealing and this inspired a lot of shitty people to say shitty things after the video came out, not just social conservatives. So, the queer online influencer, Matt Bernstein, I follow him on Instagram along with 1.3 million other people, clapped back in an Instagram post. Sam Smith's new music video has people putting their homophobia and fat phobia on full display. Sexuality, Bernstein writes, is not only for thin, straight people. He's right. And you know what else? Not saying something shitty when you see a photo of someone on the internet that turns you off isn't that hard. Every day I see photos of men I am not attracted to on the internet. Not to be ageist, but I literally just saw a photo of Henry Kissinger, and I didn't post a barf emoji under Henry Kissinger's photo as much as he may disgust me morally and physically. I kept scrolling, which is an option available to us all. So is putting down your phone, going outside, and touching grass, which is something people who are on the internet all the time tell people who they think are on the internet too much to go and do. Watching the video for I'm Not Here to Make Friends, which I did again and again, it's a catchy tune. It wasn't the piss that I kept bumping on or the champagne that was bright yellow and clearly supposed to symbolize piss. It was uh, 
Hypocrisy may be too strong a word, so let's just call it a missed opportunity. Because just as sexuality isn't just for thin people or straight people, desirability isn't either. And while there were bigger people in Sam Smith's new video, the bigger people, people with bodies like Sam Smith's, were on the edges, consigned to the background. None of them were presented as potential new lovers for Smith. In the most infamous scene, the one with the malfunctioning plumbing, there are no bigger people in the room at all. There are no bigger people humping the floor in front of Smith, trying to catch her by. There are no bigger people writhing in beds on top of each other as Smith swings from a chandelier above them. There are no bigger people in the line of dancers as the camera slowly pans over their asses as they clench their cheeks in time with the beat. Those bodies... All those bodies engaged in mating display behaviors that are presented as possible mates for Sam Smith are all standard, long, lean, lithe, conventionally attractive dancer bodies. And it's not like there aren't bigger people out there who can dance. 30 years ago, the Bill T. Jones Arnie Zane Dance Company toured the country with Last Supper at Uncle Tom's Cabin, which was amazing, and famously featured larger dancers. Very recently, Lizzo formed a dance troupe called Big Girls, three R's, no I, which features big women who can really fucking dance. So, Sam Smith failed to do what Bill T. Jones and Arnie Zane did 30 years ago and what Lizzo did 30 minutes ago. Feature larger dancers, front and center, as objects of desire, as people we, the viewers, should be presumed to, at least some of us, find attractive and maybe want to sleep with or get pissed on by. Sam Smith gets attacked and praised for challenging conventional standards of AMAB beauty, assigned male at birth, which is why I was left wondering why no one who looked like Sam Smith was humping the floor in front of Sam Smith in Sam Smith's new video. Smith himself is presented as an object of desire. Every one of those dancers is working hard to catch Smith's eye. But apparently, Smith's brand new lover needs to have abs and muscles and a firm ass. Seemed like a body positivity. Well, let's not call it a fail. That's also too strong a word. Let's call it a body positivity missed opportunity. But hey, a total win for piss play positivity. All right, coming up on today's show on both the Micro and Magnum Lovecast, tons of your cues, lots of my A's, and comedian Zach Noe Towers returns on today's show. The first part of our conversation is on the Micro. The rest is on the Magnum that you can subscribe to at savage.love. Zach and I demystify gay lingo for the newly out. We talk about sex after recovery and why we have nothing to fear from the little spikes some men have on their dicks. All that coming right up. This episode of the Savage Lovecast is brought to you by Foria. Foria crafts 100% all-natural sexual wellness products so you can experience deeper intimacy and transcendent moments of sexual pleasure solo or with your partner or partners. Get 20% off your first order by visiting foriawellness.com slash savage. That's F-O-R-I-A wellness.com forward slash savage. This episode of the Savage Lovecast is brought to you by Dipsy. Dipsy is an app full of hundreds of short, sexy audio stories designed by women for women. Get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to dipsystories.com savage. This episode is brought to you by Helix Sleep, the best mattress for your individualized comfort. 
Right now, my listeners get up to 20% off all mattress orders and two free pillows. Go to helixsleep.com slash savage. Hi, Dan. I'm in my late 30s, heterosexual female, recently divorced, and I'm looking to sleep around. Ideally, I would like to meet a man for like one or two dates and then decide if we get along well enough to sleep together. My question is, is it safer to have them come to my house or is it safer for me to go to their house? I see the positives and negatives in both, but since I'm a woman, what are your thoughts? Going to his place, him coming to yours, which is safer, depends on the guy. You're a smart, grown-up woman. You want to fuck some dudes? You're going to have to do your screw diligence. You're going to have to meet the dudes wherever it is you're going to meet the dudes in public or, you know, in bars and clubs, or you're going to have to meet them the way most people meet the dudes these days, which are on the apps. And then you need to interact with them for a little while, a little bit of text messaging, maybe a first meeting for a quick coffee or drink at a time when you have to be somewhere else in 45 minutes. So there's no extending the life of that first meeting. And if you have a good feeling about them and you like them and you want to fuck them, well, then you can go there, you can go to their place, or they can come to your place because you've vetted the guy and you're, you know, you've gathered what information you can gather after swapping a bunch of DMs or text messages and having one face-to-face meeting and then maybe going to hang out a little bit before they come over or you go over. You are taking your best guess and it is a leap of faith and people do their due diligence, their screw diligence all the time And it's a success. They have a good sexual encounter. Maybe a relationship comes of it. Maybe a relationship doesn't. Sometimes people do their best to vet a potential sex partner and guess wrong and have a bad sexual experience, even a traumatic sexual experience. So if you really want to be safe, it's about the guy. And if you vetted the guy and you feel safe with him, you'll be safe with him at his place. You'll be safe with him at your place. Or someplace else. You could be safe with them in a hotel room if you don't feel ready to have people into your apartment yet. But it is about your judgment. It's really a good idea to have friends that you can confide in. It's a really good idea if you're going to get out there and date like this to be able to show your text exchanges to somebody else who may spot red flags that you're not spotting. And also when you meet up with somebody for very casual, nearly anonymous sex, which is a lot of what straight people are doing these days who use the hookup apps. Make sure you know their real name. Make sure you have their real phone number. Somebody who holds that kind of information back from you, not saying that person is a rapist or a murderer, but that person is probably just a tiny fraction of a bit likelier to be someone you wouldn't want to be alone in a room with. If they're being cagey about who they are, maybe they're just married, maybe there's something else going on, but someone who wants you to open your body to them needs to open their life to you, if only just a little bit, if only just a real names, real phone numbers, real places of employment. Yeah. So you're going to have to use your best judgment. And if you have a good feeling about a guy, it doesn't matter if it's his place or your place. It'll hopefully be a good experience. Individual results may vary. Hi, Dan. I am a 50-year-old bisexual woman, mostly into men living in the Pacific Northwest. 
And I've been divorced for about five years and I've done some dating, but I don't really want a boyfriend right now because I don't want to put all that effort into finding one. But I do want to have sex. I've done some online dating and I'm not super excited about that. And I'm sober, so I don't really go to bar scenes. So that kind of eliminates that option. So I was wondering, maybe do 50-year-old women pay for sex? Because I think this could be an, a good option for me. I wouldn't have to get emotionally invested. And I wouldn't have to, you know, do all that legwork. Is this something we do? And if so, how do we go about it? If you're going to rule out bars and going out... And sober is a great reason to not want to hang around in bars with people who aren't also sober. And then you're going to rule out dating apps. Well, you've ruled out the two ways that people have for finding brand new sex partners, potential new relationships, unicorns, whatever they're looking for. They're on the apps. They're in the bars and clubs. And if you rule both of them out, you're pretty much left with the option of paying for it. The problem when it comes to women paying for it is not enough women pay for it or want to pay for it or have to pay for it, however you want to look at that, for there to be demand, the kind of demand that would create the supply. There are enough men, gay and straight out there, who are willing to pay for it or excited even about paying for it, for there to be a supply of female sex workers and male sex workers. Not every male sex worker who's serving male clients, however, is gay. A lot of those guys are gay for pay. A lot of those guys are bisexual. And they would be thrilled to work with a female client or for a female client. But most of those guys who are male escorts aren't advertising, aren't wasting their money advertising for female clients who aren't out there, who aren't going to approach them. So the best advice for a woman 50-year-old woman who would like to maybe pay for a male escort is to look, you know, to go hunt where the ducks are. Look for male escorts on platforms, and they're out there, but I can't recommend them. Platforms where there are male escorts posting their ads for other men. And just jump in. Some of those guys are gay. A lot of those guys might be gay. Enough of them are gay for pay or buy that some of them would be thrilled to hear from you and happy to work with you and work for you and work on you and work in you, but they're going to have to hear from you. Looking for the perfect gift for Valentine's Day? Give all the feels with Foria, makers of products for amazing sex, the kind of sex you want to have. Products including arousal oil, clean lube, bath salts, and suppositories. People are literally saying things like this about Foria's products. This is a quote. I had a three-minute orgasm and then a five-minute orgasm and felt like I was surfing in a perpetual wave pool of pleasure. And another quote, we use Awaken, and when she gets on top, we both come so hard that we see sounds and hear colors. And it doesn't hurt when GQ calls you the best sex product of the year, and Shape says you are the best invention since the vibrator. Now, this is a little personal, but Terry and I tried the suppository and leave it to Foria to make suppositories sexy. They did it. I'm not sure what they put in there. I know there's CBD at least, but they have some serious love potion energy. 
So yeah, you have my permission to try this. I fully endorse you to go ahead and treat yourself to more deeper, fuller pleasure wherever you can find it as often as possible. And you can start with a bottle of Foria. Foria is offering a special deal for our listeners. Get 20% off your first order by visiting www.foriawellness.com slash savage or use the code savage at checkout. That's F-O-R-I-A wellness.com forward slash savage for 20% off your first order. I recommend trying their awaken arousal oil and sex oil. You'll thank me later. Hey, Dan. I'm a straight, this guy, middle-aged, married to a woman. I have a paternity question for you. Uh, a couple of decades ago, I had a fling with a friend of mine. She had a boyfriend at the time. Things apparently weren't going well, and we had some sexual tension in our friendship. One night, that culminated in us having sex, and we had unprotected sex, and I recall, I think, ejaculating inside of her. Uh, there was some alcohol involved, so I can't say for sure, but that's my recollection a couple of decades on. Not long afterwards, she asked me to stop contacting her. She was putting her relationship back together with her boyfriend, and out of respect for her wishes, I stopped contacting her. And then my job in that town came to an end, so I left town, and I haven't been back since. Shortly after our fling, I learned that she was pregnant and learned that from a mutual friend. But given her request that I did not contact her, I left it that way. And this was all before the internet. So now we're a couple decades on. Her child is an adult. And I just wondered, you know, do I have any moral or other responsibility to be in contact with this person? I think the first answer is probably no, because you know, she knows how to reach me if she wants to. And she'd ask me to not be in touch for the sake of her relationship. So I'm assuming everything is good there and I can let sleeping dogs lie. I just, you know, periodically have curiosity about parentage of this child and if I have any kind of uh, need to be in touch. So I'm happy to let sleeping dogs lie. I don't have a ton of assets, but I just want to do the right thing. You've been doing the right thing and I would urge you to keep doing the right thing, which is honoring this woman's request as you have done to not hear from you. She didn't want to hear from you then in the wake of the relationship, which sounds like it was an affair. She was perhaps cheating on her boyfriend or broken up with her boyfriend at the time. And your presence in her life would complicate them working it out somehow. And she asked you to go the fuck away. And you did. Seems to me that the odds are small that it was your particular ejaculation, especially when you factor in that you don't remember and there was a lot of alcohol involved, which often contributes to the not remembering process. You don't remember if you did even come in her. And so I would just assume if I were you that I didn't, or even if I did, it wasn't the ejaculation that resulted in the conception of this child. There is one reason, if that was your biological child who's now an adult, that you might hear from her or hear from that child, which is if, if there was some medical issue that the treatment of required knowing something about your family's health history, or if there was, I don't know, a lung or something that only you could donate because you're a genetic match, at least 50% of a genetic match, you haven't heard from them. And I think you should continue not letting them hear from you. That is the right thing to do. It is perfectly understandable and human that you are occasionally curious about whether or not 
there is an adult out there in the world that you are the biological father of, but you weren't the father in the home. You weren't the father that raised this child. And out of respect for that child, for their peace of mind, for the relationship that that child has with the person that he's always presumed to be, not just his father of the heart, but father of the part as well, you should continue doing the right thing. You've been doing the right thing for decades. Credit to you for doing the right thing. Keep it up. This episode is brought to you by Dipsy. Dipsy is an app full of hundreds of short, sexy audio stories designed by women for women. I hear from women all the time who are looking for ways to get turned on that fits their personal erotic style. If you are the kind of woman who is into erotica, if you would rather read than watch like me, try listening to the sexy stories at Dipsy. They're for you. Dipsy brings sexy scenarios to life with immersive soundscapes and realistic characters. Discover stories about second chance romances, adventurous vacation flings, rough and wild sex, and hot and heavy hookups all at Dipsy. It's radically inclusive. Dipsy has stories for straight and queer listeners, and 56% of Dipsy stories right now are voice acted by people of color. Really great voices. Nancy, who's got a really great voice herself, loves them. New content is released every week, so in between listening to your favorite stories again and again, you can always find something new to fall in love with and add to your regular rotation. They also have soothing sleep stories, wellness sessions, and sexy stories that you can read. And they have a section on self-touch with tutorials on sensation play, edging, and discovering new ways to get yourself there. Let Dipsy be your go-to place to spice things up for your me time, explore your fantasies, relax and unwind, or heat things up with a partner. For listeners of the Savage Lovecast, Dipsy is offering an extended 30-day trial when you go to dipsystories.com slash savage. That's 30 days of full access for free when you go to dipseastories.com slash savage. Let them know the Lovecast sent you. Go to dipsystories.com slash savage. Hi, Dan. 34-year-old cis bi woman calling from the UK. I broke up with my partner of two and a half years around two months ago. There were myriad issues for the breakup, but a big issue of ours was sex. I have quite a high sex drive um, and we started off great, as you do. He's a trans man and we're both bi and we had some amazing threesomes with cis men in the first year. Then our sex life devolved into me initiating pretty much 100% of the time. Sex was always scheduled, which I don't have a problem with, but would rather have had a 50-50 split or at least a touch of spontaneity. And it was always on his schedule. So if I initiated, he'd say, let's do it tomorrow. And I always felt like I had to rally the next day in order to have sex, even if I didn't really want to. He'd also complain that I wouldn't initiate how he wanted, which is lots of talking and getting him mentally ready. So I used to try and text him filthy things while he was out of the house in a way to say, when you get back in, let's act on this. But I was told I was still not initiating in the way he wanted, but he never properly communicated what this meant and how I wasn't how I wasn't achieving it. It felt like we had a good full year of maintenance sex and I was always paranoid that he was losing attraction to me. Then we had some counselling and in one session he said that I thought I was making all the effort because I was the one who initiated, (laughs) but that I didn't understand just how much effort it took for him to even have sex with me. And that was really the, the nail in the coffin of our breakup. When we were together we were open so I tried to schedule more dates with other sex partners 
and I ended up hooking up with this terrible dom who left me a bit scarred after. I then ended up hooking hooking up with a trusted friend a few months later who me and my partner previously had some great threesomes with but it was just the two of us and the minute we started I just thought oh god I, I don't want to do this but I ignored my feelings and I carried on. Eventually I ended up crying but my friend who is this lovely giant bear of a man just scooped me up in his arms and cuddled me and stroked my back and told me all the right things. But I'm just scared. I'm just scared now of initiating any kind of hookup. I feel like I've pushed through so much scheduled sex I didn't actually want to do with my ex, as well as feeling like he barely wants to do it anyway, and the self-esteem that I have surrounding that. And I feel violated by that terrible dom that I'm projecting onto everyone else, and in this horrible space of just feeling like men just want to take advantage and only do what's good for them, and I'm an afterthought. I've had another trusted friend tell me he's going to be in my city in February and asked to meet up. I've declined because even though we've hooked up numerous times before and it's always been great, I'm scared the feeling that washed over me with my big bear friend will happen this time as well. Am I expecting too much of myself this early after a breakup and these shitty sex things happening? I'm sorry you wound up with that shitty dom who left you feeling so violated and unsafe. And I'm sorry you were in a relationship where, and this is just my hunch, this is my guess, this is my reading of the situation, your ex-boyfriend, you could never initiate the right way because he wasn't interested in having sex with you anymore. It passed for him, right? It worked for a while, you guys had great sex, he was into you, into the relationship, and then at some point, he wanted out and his body rebelled, and rather than being honest and delivering you the the blow of a breakup, he dragged it out. He told you you were doing it wrong. You were initiating wrong in the wrong way at the wrong time. And you could never get it right because there was never going to be a right time to initiate. There was never a right time because he wasn't into you in that way anymore. But he did that thing people do where they don't feel like they can end it over sex or whatever other reason without trying and there are two ways to define trying like giving it an effort but also trying in the sense of something being exhausting he tried tried your patience he tried to make it work he tried to work on it he dragged you to couples counseling to get somebody else to explain to you why it was your fault not his fault and by dragging it out which people sometimes do because they don't want to hurt someone's feelings they don't want to end the relationship. They don't want to face up when they know it's over to the fact that it's over and dump that on the other person because they don't want to hurt their feelings. And so they feel like they owe their partner somehow to lessen the blow of the inevitable breakup if at least they tried, tried to have sex with you after they were done having sex with you, not interested in having sex with you anymore, tried going to couples counseling with you. And in the end, because... It dragged on so much longer than it needed to. This person who didn't want to hurt you wound up hurting you so much worse, leaving you in much less better shape than they could have if they just ended things when they knew it was over or when their body, even if they didn't consciously know it was over, perhaps when their body began to tell them it was over. All right, so you hooked up with this guy who sounds like a great guy, the, the big bear of a man who the minute you began to fall out of it and... You began to cry because you didn't want to be doing it in the first place. 
and all this shit with your ex and this recent experience with the shitty Dom, just like all these big feelings welled up, man, you were in the right place sort of. I mean, maybe when you felt like you didn't want to go through with it, you should have not allowed it to begin, but you were kind of in the right place or the right bed at the right time with the right person when he pivoted instantly to scooping you up in his arms and stroking your back and comforting you. Now what do you do? Somebody else is coming to town. Somebody else who, when they came to town in the past, you might have scheduled a hookup with. Maybe that feeling will wash over you again. Maybe it won't. There's only one way to find out. I do think that you should do yourself the favor and this person who's coming to town the courtesy of telling them what happened the last time you hooked up with somebody. Tell them. Just be honest and direct. Hey, I went through a lot of turmoil lately, had a really bad sexual experience, a really bad drawn out breakup. Last time I hooked up with somebody, I just kind of wound up sobbing. If you are willing to risk that, being in bed with a woman who is crying, then we can probably get together. We can probably hook up. I'll see how I feel. But just know that that's possible. And if that person says to you, I couldn't handle that. I'm not signing up for that. Well, great. Then that's not somebody you wanted to risk going to bed with the next time or the first time after all these shitty experiences, right? But what you're likely to hear from someone that you're honest with in that way, someone that you know, someone who likes you, someone you've hooked up before in the past is, hey, that's okay. And then they'll be ready to catch you if you should begin to fall. I think you're less likely to wind up sobbing in bed with somebody who told you that if you end up sobbing in their arms halfway through or at the start or at the end, that that's okay. I think you'll feel safer and therefore less likely, maybe, to have those feelings wash over you again. But at some point, you're going to have to push yourself outside this, I don't want to call it your comfort zone, because you don't sound particularly comforted with where you're at right now. You're going to have to push yourself when you're ready, push yourself gently into a new experience so that you can have, hopefully, some new and better experiences to balance the really terrible experience you had with that Dom and the really terrible breakup that you went through with your ex. I do want to, again, classify that experience with that big bear of a man who swept you up in his arms when you began to cry and held you and stroked your back and took care of you, I really think you should look at that as a good experience that you had, a good experience that can help balance the scales and put those bad ones in perspective. That was a good experience with a good partner. When me and mine conk out, we do so very happily on our Helix sleep mattress. You can't have my husband or his boyfriend or my boyfriend. Well, not for keeps, but you can have and should get our mattress. Helix Sleep is a premium mattress brand that provides tailored mattresses based on your unique sleep preferences. The Helix lineup offers 14 unique mattresses, including a collection of luxury models, a mattress for big and tall sleepers, even a mattress made just for kids. So how will you know which Helix mattress works best for you and your body? Take the Helix Sleep quiz and find your perfect mattress in under two minutes. And your personalized mattress is shipped straight to your door free of charge. We got the Midnight Lux model. Actually, we got two of them because we wanted medium firmness. And we tend to thrash around a little bit in our sleep at night. And sometimes we do a little bit of thrashing before we go to sleep. It was such an improvement. 
the Helix mattress over our old mattress. Helix knows there's no better way to test out a new mattress than by sleeping on it in your own home. That's why they offer a 100-night risk-free trial. You can try out your new Helix mattress, see how your body adjusts, and if you decide it's not the best fit, you're welcome to return it for a full refund. Plus, Helix mattresses are American-made and come with a 10- to 15-year warranty, depending on the model. And remember, you get to try it out for 100 nights risk-free. Helix is offering up to 20% off all mattress orders and two free pillows for my listeners. Go to helixsleep.com savage. This is their best offer yet. It won't last long. Go and get it. With Helix, better sleep starts now. Hey, Dan. I'm a 34-year-old cis guy in Canada, and I've recently figured out that I'm not straight. I've started seeing other men, and I'm noticing that I don't know a bunch of the slang and some of the etiquette about this sort of thing. Is there like a guidebook or something for guys new to gay relationships and dating that you could point me towards? Joining me to help tackle this question, Zach Noe Towers, comedian, podcaster, YouTuber, content creator. He has the show we host with Zach and Darren on YouTube, almost 3 million views on Instagram. Also host of Good Morning Sodomites and Confidentially Insecure, two terrific podcasts that you should be listening to. Hey, Zach, welcome back to the show. Hey, Dan. I'm so excited to be back. So there aren't actually guidebooks anymore. You're young and gay compared to me. Everyone is. So you probably don't remember <laughs> the gay guidebooks that were everywhere in the 70s and 80s and even into the 90s, do you? I feel like I've seen a gay book of that, like a gay travel book maybe that's felt very old at like out of the closet or goodwill and been like, huh, like (laughs) weird, but not like opened it. Yeah, that, that would probably be a Spartacus gay guidebook. They were the gay guidebooks. There were books like The Joy of Gay Sex, The Gay Manual, The Homo Handbook, these books had glossaries in the back of them that would explain different slang terms, sex terms, which I think is where the caller is encountering some issues. Like people on Grindr or wherever he's finding sex partners are using sexual shorthand. He doesn't know what it is. And there isn't a gay glossary and a gay guidebook to refer to. And it doesn't sound like the caller has realized he can Google this shit yet. <laughs> I actually love that about these um, call-ins where it's like, I mean, you could, if you have Wi-Fi, I got a trick for you. Um, (laughs) But I'm trying to think like, so where to go, where he could go for an education? Is that what we're trying to help him with on Lingo? Yeah, Yeah. since we can't send him to the guidebooks because the guidebooks don't exist anymore and the lingo in them is going to be 40 years out of date, at least 30 years out of date in the ones published in the 90s before the internet came along and ate the guidebooks and made them unnecessary. (laughs) Where would you send him? I would send him to your terrific podcast, Good Morning Sodomites. You interview people about their sex life, their sexual experiences, not just gay people, but a lot of gay men. Mm-hmm. And you'll pick up a lot of lingo. And you often pause and unpack with people what different things mean. So caller, check out Zach's show, Good Morning Sodomites. You'll learn <laughs> a lot of what you need to know. But I would also tell him, and I'm curious what you think of this, if you were chatting with somebody on Grinder. And they said, what do you mean by this? I, I don't know what that means. How would you respond to that? Would you like block uh, them or would you take the moment to educate them? Okay, so yes, I would not block them. If I, if I sensed that they were being sincere, I would absolutely take the moment to educate them or answer their question. But 
more than likely, I would not be sexually interested in that person. Not to freak the caller out. <laughs> I mean, but we don't want the caller then for fear of sexual rejection to fly blind into sexual situations where the other person is using a lot of slang. Totally. Or, or acronyms like TT or CBT or DP that he doesn't understand. Wow. Okay. Yes, you're right. Okay. So wait, can, should we give him like a, a quick rundown? Sure. Top, bottom, side, verse. What does that mean? So top means you put the dick in the hole. Bottom means you're the hole that takes the dick. Verse means uh, verse or flip or switch. Usually mean you'll do either. Also, a lot of times guys say their verse and they really mean bottom. That's like a big joke <laughs> in the community. Side means like uh, you do, you prefer everything but the main course, which is anal. Um, I relate to that because I, I more and more identify with being a side gay. Um, he's like, even at Thanksgiving, I love the side dishes, but I don't like turkey. So it's like, keep your turkey, keep your anal. I'll have some more mashed potatoes. Let's credit Dr. Joe Court with uh, coining the term side. And I do think I interviewed him about it. I think he was actively intentionally referring to sides at Thanksgiving. Like Stop. a lot of gay men regard turkey as the main course, but vegetarians will come to Thanksgiving dinner and eat all the sides it's a instead. Side. It's, and a side is somebody who prefers the sides. What I think is funny Damn. often about homo, homo gay lingo is that it's not static. That it's always changing and evolving. This may blow your mind, Zach. Do you know what that top and bottom haven't meant top and bottom forever? That there used to be a different term for that? I didn't. Well, in, in Spanish, it's pasi uh, pasivo for bottom. If you pick up gay personal ads from the 60s, 70s, 80s, if you go to a bookstore and you find a used bookstore, and you find a really old gay magazine, open it up and you will encounter the expressions Greek active, Greek passive, French active, French passive. And Greek active meant you fucked the butt. Greek passive meant you got your butt fucked. French active meant you sucked the dick. French passive meant you got your dick sucked. And you would see this everywhere. And then along came top and bottom in the late 70s, early 80s. And Greek active, Greek passive, French active, French passive disappeared. Wait, to be clear, French active meant you sucked the dick? Yeah, it's sort of a flip. Like Greek active meant you fucked the you ass. Talked. Yeah. But French active, active meant you sucked the dick. Oh, so oh, the active oh, passive oh. flip back and forth depending on okay. not who the is country. being penetrated, but who is, or who is doing the work. Like the active <laughs> person is the person giving the blow job. You're doing the job of blowing. The active person is the person fucking the ass. You know, the passive person is the person getting to fucked or getting their dick sucked. They're just standing still. In my 20s, when I had something to prove, I was a pretty active bottom. Power bottoms, we call them. Power bottoms. Oh, Power or bottoms. as you call your fans, tower bottoms. Tower bottoms. Zach Noe Towers, comedian, podcaster. Check out We Host with Zach and Darren on YouTube. He has two podcasts, Good Morning Sodomites and Confidentially Insecure. Zach, thanks for coming back on the show and talking dick with me. Any time, Dan Savage.
If you want more of my conversation with Zach, we talk about sex after getting sober, and Zach gets very real with us. And also those gnarly looking but harmless little spiny things some guys have on their dicks. If you want that and more, get yourself or get a pal a Magnum subscription to the Savage Lovecast. You can try a month subscription for just eight bucks and listen to as many Magnum Savage Lovecasts as you like, as long as your subscription lasts. The Magnum, more guests, more cues, more A's, no ads. Subscribe now at savage.love. Hey, Dan, Nancy, and the tech-savvy at-risk youth, 50-something, cis-head white male. Up until eight months ago, I was in an open relationship with a younger woman for a year and a half. Things were great until she met someone that she really liked, but he was not open to non-monogamy. We discussed it at length, ultimately agreed that she should pursue this so as not to think what if the rest of her life. Um, He's very insecure. He's not really comfortable with her having male friends. He's pretty unhappy that she and I are still in touch, even though nothing's going on, but that's not the real issue. Two months after they started dating, he lost his job. Six months later, he still has no full-time job, and I just found out that she has been paying the majority of his rent for most of that time. She's a PhD student and doesn't make a lot, so she's been dipping into her savings to help him every month. Uh, He had a full-time job for about a month during this period, but quit because he felt they were disrespecting him. Uh, They live in a major city, and he has a car, so he could do Lyft or DoorDash anytime he wants, but chooses to only do it every once in a while while he keeps asking her to help cover his bills every month. Uh, He's also a musician, and he owns about 10 guitars, some of which are worth a lot, but he has not even offered to sell any of them to help pay his own rent. Well, now he's suggesting that he break his lease to try to save money, but if he did that, he'd have to move in with her. She doesn't want that, but feels bad for him, and she's really not good with confrontation. I feel like he's trying to solve a problem that he caused because he wants to move in with her. Uh, He's talking marriage and kids down the road, but she's totally not there. At least that's what she tells me. Uh, I'm worried he's going to completely drain the savings she's been working on for 10 years or move in with her and then she'll feel stuck with him. I've told her she really just needs to stand up to him and say no, but he struggles with depression. She's worried that he will spiral. I feel like she needs to hear this from someone who's not her ex, but she hasn't told anyone else about her situation because she's embarrassed about it. Ultimately, I know she's got to make her own decisions, but she's too uncomfortable to tell her family or other friends what's going on and can't get their advice. She keeps on saying she should call you for advice, but again, she's kind of shy, so I figured I would call on her behalf. She doesn't know I'm calling, but I don't think she'll mind. So, uh, Dan, what else can I do to help out? She needs to run. The last thing she should do is let this deadbeat move in with her this deadbeat whose bills she's already paying you know who else needs to run you do look you're not an unbiased third party to their relationship you're not impartial which is why you need to butt out but you're not being allowed to butt out if she confides in you if she's telling you about what's going on there's got to be a reason that she's telling you what's going on she wants to hear from somebody not to do what she damn well knows she shouldn't do, which is acquire a dependent when she's getting her PhD and barely scraping by herself, which is to allow someone to use her. God, the dick must be good. Allow someone to use her the way the hot musician with the 10 guitars and the car and the dick is using her right now. She shouldn't put up with that. If you feel like she's telling you about what's going on because she needs somebody to provide her with the emotional support, not the ass fucking anymore, but the emotional support that you obviously provide her with. Well, 
then at some point you're enabling this behavior of hers by being the pressure release valve. You need to butt out. But sometimes when you need to butt out, you need to like push somebody else out. You need to push them away. You need to tell them, look, I can't be impartial about this. I don't like this guy. I don't like how he's using you. But of course, you know, somebody you stopped, you know, ended our sexual relationship to be with is not somebody that I'm inclined to see in the most positive light. And so, yeah, you know how I feel about him. It's predictable how I might feel about him. And now it's reached a point where you're coming to me for emotional support and I'm providing it to you, but it's probably not helping. So, Time to start telling family and friends what's really going on here. If you need more people in your life, in addition to me and Dan Savage now telling you to stop dating this guy. No dick is good enough to put up with the deadbeat boyfriend with the car and 10 guitars who refuses to get a job and pay his own fucking rent. Anybody who expects you to pay their rent less than a year into a relationship or whenever it was that you started paying his rent is not somebody that you should... Keep fucking or dating is not a grown-up, is not in good working order, and you should run from. And she knows all this, and you've told her all this, and now I've told her all this. And I'm done telling her, and you, you need to be done telling her. And hopefully then, without the pressure release valve that has been you, the pressure will build up, and she will do what she knows she needs to do. And she's sort of half done. He's suggested moving in with her and she has rejected that idea. Now she just needs to do the other half, which is to stop paying his bills. You can't pay somebody like that to go away. There's always going to be another ask, another bill. She needs to cut him the fuck off. And you need to cut her the fuck off. All right, before we get to this week's listener response calls, let's see what's going on in the comment thread on last week's Lovecast posted at savage.love. In response to my attempt to delineate the difference between a cougar, which is something a woman does, and being a MILF, which is something some moms are to some, BGN shared this comment. While I agree the MILF acronym leads to a pretty limited definition, its usage has moved beyond that. It's the straight man's equivalent of a gay man calling someone a daddy. Just like we gays can say that daddy can do whatever he wants to me without respect to whether an older man has kids, straight men describe older women as MILFs these days in the same way. I don't think gay men ever use daddy to mean actual father since the term came into wide use long before openly gay men started having kids of their own through adoption and surrogacy and co-parenting. Still, meaning follows usage, and if straight men are using MILF to mean hot older woman and not necessarily hot older mom, and that would be a lot closer to the way gay men used and still use daddy, I will, of course, allow it. In response to the call I took from the woman of color who was concerned that all of her husband's matches on dating apps since they opened their relationship were white women, Joe the commenter says, I think the discussion with the married woman of color whose ENM white husband is matching with only white women missed something. That is, don't open slash poly people often look for someone different than their primary partner? Also, consider demographics. If they live in a mostly white area, most of his matches will be white. And cultural factors might weigh in too. How many single or even poly East Asian women are going online looking to match with a married white guy? And Heather writes, 
For the caller wondering about a vibrator for his wife who just gave birth, she needs pelvic floor physical therapy. Pelvic floor rehab will help with sex, bowel movements, urinary issues too. If the caller asks his wife now about a vibrator, it will seem wildly insensitive. Like he's saying, figure out your bits on your own time and get back to me. Not a good look. Thanks to everyone who commented on the show last week at savage.love. And thanks to everyone who posted about the show on your various social media accounts. We really appreciate the way you all help spread the word about the Savage Lovecast. And now something else we appreciate, listener response calls. Hey, Dan, this is a response to the guy who wants his boyfriend to shave his beard because he feels he needs to see his face. I think everything you said was on point. But, dude, are you serious? This is your problem? This is what you're calling about some guy's beard. Yeah. Uh, maybe you're trying to find an excuse to break up or you need to do some self-discovery. You met the man with a beard. He looks good in a beard. Most men look good in a beard. Anyway, come on. You're 32 years old. If this is your issue, you may not be ready for relationships. So yeah, come on, get over it. Also, beards feel amazing on your balls. Just so you know. Hey, Dan. I'm calling to add to your reply to the East Asian non-monogamous caller whose partner was getting all white matches on episode 849. A factor I think worth mentioning is that most men like variety. When I have an Asian partner, I find myself fantasizing more about other ethnicities while still finding my partner totally sexy. Same goes for dating a sexy thin partner and looking at more curvy porn, dating a more feminine person and being drawn to others who have a more masculine edge, or dating a younger person and, you know, noticing older people more. Overall, I'd say what's important is that your partner finds you attractive, regardless of anything else they're attracted to. Hi, Dan. I am a labor and delivery nurse, and I'm calling in response to the man who called in and asked if he should buy his eight-week postpartum wife a vibrator. The recommendation is six weeks with nothing in the vagina after delivering a baby. So this is a problem that's been going on for two weeks for you guys. I think that the suggestion of a vibrator is kind of an aggressive step right now. Maybe you should start out by offering some non-sexual intimacy, massages, just being together physically without sex. A lot of women are not ready at eight weeks postpartum to even think about having sex. The other thing is she could be breastfeeding, which uh, uses up a lot of oxytocin. So that's going to be less readily available for her sexual pleasure. So I think that you should let this woman heal and figure out ways that you could be more helpful to her so that she frees up more space to feel attracted to you and attractive. And just give it some patience and time. And we're going to leave it there. Got a question for next week's Lovecast or something to say about something I said this week's Lovecast? Go to savage.love slash askdan to record your question. Or you can use the voice memo app on your very own phone and email your question or your comment to q at savage.love. Or you can call us at 206-302-2064. It's too late to order a Savage Love Fuck First or GGG mug for your Valentine, but it is not too late to get your Valentine a subscription to the Magnum Savage Lovecast. My Magnum subs also get access to the Maxi Savage Love column, invites to Zoom hangouts and AMAs, bonus podcasts, and more. Just go to savage.love, click subscribe, then click give the gift of the Magnum. Make your Valentine my new sub right now. Follow me on Instagram at Dan Savage and on Post News at Fake Dan Savage. You can also still find me once in a while on Twitter at Fake Dan Savage. Follow Zach Noe Towers on Instagram and TikTok and Twitter and everywhere else at Zach Noe Towers. 
The Savage Lovecast is produced every week by Nancy Hartunian and me and the tech savvy at risk youth and Nancy. We'll all be back at you next week with an installment of the Savage Lovecast. Thank you for downloading.